Hi and welcome to Social Work Sorted, the podcast. I'm Vicky from Social Work Sorted Training and Consultancy. Through this podcast, my blog and social media, I support new social workers from the start of their journey in this incredible career for as long as they need my help. I share skills, knowledge, realistic advice and guidance for practice. Social Work Sorted has always been everything I needed as a newly qualified social worker and I'm so happy to be able to help you understand that whatever your fears or challenges as a new social worker, you are not alone. So welcome back to this mini-series around managing meetings and I've called this setting some boundaries around meetings. Really, it's just about thinking of all the possibilities of what could possibly come up during a meeting and what you would do about them. Thinking about what someone might need to know if they were attending a meeting for the first time. I'm really thinking about your role as chairing the meeting. You are, in most cases, going to be the lead professional. um, And I say professional always in inverted commas, but you are going to be the, the lead person. And therefore, you do have influence on how that goes. And I always want you to think about that as a positive thing, because you do have capacity to positively influence the way that a meeting takes place and also positively influence other people's practices as well. Today, I'm going to talk about boundaries that relate to space, time, pauses and sharing. When you are thinking about the space, you know, the room or the area that your meeting is taking place, You need to think about safety. You'll probably have some kind of risk assessment in and around that space. But it's also about being mindful of compassionate practice and understanding. Thinking about how you set out the space in a meeting room can change the dynamics before anyone has even spoken. Think about the entrance and the exit to the room. If there is only one door, is it helpful for anyone who feels anxious about meetings, anyone who feels the need to leave and take breaks during the meetings? Could they be sat closest to the door? Could they be the first person who is able to enter or exit the room? There will be different ideas and requirements that you have to think about in terms of risk assessment. So it's very specific to your organisation and the space. But I would say that for anybody who is nervous or anxious about attending meetings, particularly if they are in-person ones, showing them how they use the door, how they have to open and close it, showing them whether there is a specific button that you have to press to exit, showing them that and making sure that they are sat close to that door if they need to leave can be a very helpful way to reassure them before a meeting. That also connects to the idea of pauses and breaks. So remember that you are very often the lead professional, professional in inverted commas, the person who's responsible for chairing the meeting according to your particular organisational policy. And because of your role in that, you are going to be the person who has to establish when a pause is needed during a meeting. This might be necessary if there is some kind of conflict, if someone is visibly upset or agitated and needs a break. And as the person chairing that meeting, I would say make sure, first of all, that you are brave enough to suggest a pause because you can often feel like I don't want to interrupt the meeting I want to keep things going it can often mean that you are having to assert yourself a little bit but that might be the best thing that you can do in order to reduce further tension and to make sure that the meeting is productive and that you can continue centering children and young people or whoever is the subject of that meeting the other thing is to make sure that if a pause is happening it needs to be a pause There is nothing worse, and I've sat in meetings before, I know when this has happened and I haven't been brave enough to speak up, 
when somebody leaves the meeting, particularly if that is a family member and a discussion continues without them being there, it means that, first of all, it's completely unfair for that person not to be witnessing what anyone is saying, but also something could be said that isn't accurately recorded, somebody doesn't have the opportunity to respond, and it also sends a wider message really about how much we value the families, the children, the young people that attend our meetings. Yep, there could definitely be an awkward silence, but I would much rather that than a meeting continue when somebody who is supposed to be participating and listened to in that meeting has left. As a social worker, I would just say that you can model that approach to the rest of the people that are attending. You can remind people, again, before the meeting starts, that if there is a break, if somebody needs to leave for a minute, if somebody needs to take a moment, that that will be a genuine break and that the discussion won't continue. And it just means that you have already set out that boundary before it starts. The next thing I'm going to talk about is boundaries around time. I'm sure that you have been to meetings before that have run over and you end up sat there wondering when it's going to end or you end up counting down the minutes and I don't want that for you in your meetings. Effectively, again, in your role as chair, you do have some influence over this. You can start a meeting establishing how long that you have for the meeting to begin with because you don't want it to run over. It starts you off being late for everything, but it also means that if people are sat in your meeting, parents or carers who are particularly anxious about it, It's helpful for them to know how long it's going to be rather than them just sat there. If they need to go out to the toilet, they don't want to ask for that. It just means that you have set that out. So somebody who is nervous about asking questions doesn't need to ask the question. You've already answered it. If I only have an hour allocated, I would often share with people and say, what I'm going to do is pause when we get to 45 minutes. And the reason that I'm doing that is because last time we ran over and we actually didn't have time to review the plan or we didn't have time to set next actions. We didn't have time to set the date for the next meeting and I really don't want that to happen. So again, you have to be um, mindful of your circumstances for that. In some ways, it can be really helpful and it can keep you on track. And I think I talked about this in the first sort of episode of this mini series that if you do things in a particular order in every single meeting, you will often find that something gets forgotten at the end and there's something that doesn't happen and then you get to your next meeting and it still hasn't been addressed because we tend to fall into the habit or the approach of doing things in a particular order. So I would be clear on your boundaries of time and also be clear that if you run over, if everybody has to leave, what are you going to do if things aren't covered? So you're going to book in another meeting, you're going to have further conversations. I would also then be clear with everybody who's attending the meeting, what are you going to do if you don't fit everything in within that allocated time? Are you going to book in another meeting? Are there people who need to speak to each other outside of the meeting? Just be really clear on that, which will stop you again from going too far over. The final thing around time is that It's okay to say when the meeting is over. And the reason I say that is as a student social worker, I experienced these sort of informal after meetings. So as the meeting was ending, because it never came to a formal end, no one said this is over, people would leave. And sometimes that might be a parent or a carer. Sometimes it might be another person attending the meeting. But people would continue to talk about the subject matter of the meeting afterwards. So it almost then turned into another informal discussion, which wasn't recorded. Nobody else was there. Other issues might be brought up that haven't been brought up within the context of the meeting. And it can then be very difficult. And I found that as a new social worker, I would then be left 
running over time because the meeting had ended for me but I hadn't been very clear about that so then almost a second meeting would take place that wouldn't be as productive but I was getting a lot of information that I probably needed so be really clear about when the meeting is starting and be really clear about when the meeting is ended and what people can do if they still need to contact you if they still need to contact each other if you don't cover anything within that time I know that when I'm talking about this and when I'm referring to time it can seem or it might be perceived as quite regimented and I don't want it to come across that way we are working with people We have to account for the fact that we need space and time to manage the different emotions that come up in a meeting because we're talking about people's lives. This isn't something formal or corporate. But equally, we have to balance so many things at once. And one of those things that we do need to balance is time, not being late for the next family that you were going to see, not missing a lunch break, not then being in a rush for the rest of your day and working late. And also for the people that are attending meeting, you know, families have lives too. People who are coming to the meetings, you know, if that's child protection meetings or child in need meetings, they might have jobs, they might have different appointments they have to get to, they might have childcare issues. So being on time, it isn't just about you as social workers, it's about everybody who is attending that meeting and respecting and acknowledging the fact that people have lives outside of their social care involvement. The final thing I want to talk about in terms of setting up boundaries for your meeting is how people share. And really, this is just about the way people are going to communicate in the meeting. And as chair, you can set some expectations and start conversations about how people share. I find that this is really helpful when you are doing virtual meetings. So being really clear that people need to press a particular button or put their hands up Also talking about interruptions because often when you're in the position of chairing a meeting, it might be the case that you have to respectfully interrupt somebody and that can be a difficult thing to do. Setting that up before you have to do it is often one way to reduce the conflict around that. So being really clear to everybody in the room, if I need to interrupt you, I'm going to say your name first, I'm going to apologise for interrupting you and then I'm going to explain the reason why. And I might need to do that if we are going off topic, if we are going off track, if I feel like we're not being considerate of people. And again, just saying I will explain the reason why. Again, it just sets up the tone for the rest of that meeting. And it's a chance for you to acknowledge how difficult meetings are for people, how anxiety provoking they are, how much feels at stake. And giving permission to talk about those things as well rather than assuming that everybody is coming to the meeting on an even keel it might be the first type of meeting interaction group setting that a parent a carer a young person has been to before or that they've been to in a while so we need to be really mindful of that again to repeat some of the messages from the first episode in this series there are always things that you can do and put in place to establish some boundaries around meetings As new social workers, if you're trying to do all of these things all at the same time, it's going to be overwhelming. So just try and think and take away one idea maybe from this podcast around how you can establish a boundary for a meeting and just see how that works for you in the next couple of weeks rather than trying to implement everything all at once. Again, when I'm talking about risk assessment, space and safety, you need to go back to your organisation, speak to your manager, have a think through those things. And as with anything, use supervision to talk about chairing meetings if they are a particular challenge for you, if they are something that you are finding difficult and if they are something that you might need some more training around. Because ultimately, if your manager, your supervisor, your colleagues, if they think that you are managing things really well and you're not, then they're not going to be able to implement anything to help and support you.
Thank you so much for listening. If this has been helpful, please let me know if you've taken away something useful or valuable for your practice. Again, let me know. You can send me an email. You can contact me on Instagram. All the details are in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a petition that myself and Joe Schofield and some other social workers have set up, Social Care in Solidarity. And we set this petition up in response to the proposed illegal migration bill and the impact that this will have on separated migrant children. I'd be so grateful if you could go and take a look at the petition, sign and share. It was an opportunity for people in and around social care to demonstrate their support and their solidarity. I've also linked to a couple of Basra articles around the subject, which I think are really helpful for people to read. I know for new social workers, everything can feel overwhelming. You're trying to deal with day-to-day practice, but you're also mindful of wider context, political issues that are taking place, and it can feel too much sometimes. You just want to stick your head in the sand. I am gently encouraging you not to stick your head in the sand with this, to be aware, to switch onto it, to listen to as many things as you can, to read as many things as you can, because part of being a social worker, part of our ethics and values are around social justice and engaging with those wider political ideas and advocating for people. And it is all connected when we think about narratives and negative narratives around migration, hostile environment, the climate crisis, racism, and anti-racism none of this is existing in isolation so please take the time to have a look at some of those resources below and read through them and get in touch if you want to have a conversation about it as ever i would invite you now to just take a moment close your eyes if you feel comfortable give yourself a moment of calm trust that all the information will sink in trust that your confidence in chairing meetings will come It will develop and know that in any situation, you can always come back to just one deep breath to center yourself a little bit. Thank you so much for listening and take care.